welcome to the Faith and Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bubbles, and welcome back to the third Sunday of Lent for the week of March 24th, 2019, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to get into this week's podcast, and I'm excited to dig into talking about repentance. I'm excited to talk about lobsters and how those two tie together. So, before we get into this week's podcast, I have to do my shameless plugs for Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Between their commentaries, their discussions, and their podcasts, Eric, fantastic. For me, following the lectionary cycle, I listen to the Sermon Brainwaves podcast by Caroline Lewis, Matt Skinner, and Ralph Jacobson, and I'd highly recommend it if you haven't checked that out already. It's a great, great resource. The second thing I'm going to plug this week is, again, if you have not checked out God Friended Me, I'd highly recommend it. I think it's a really great show to kind of show how, again, how the Christian kind of works within the context of the 21st century, even the person who's dabbling with faith and how does that look? How is that conveyed? The second thing I would also say is if you haven't checked out the TBS show, of Miracle Workers. It's a bit of a dark comedy. I think it's an interesting perspective of God, but I think it also shows just kind of an interesting play of what heaven maybe looks like in a different context than what we're accustomed to seeing. So I also want to do our shameless question from last week, which I got a decent amount of responses to, is what dark places do you need to continue to push forward into, and what new places do we need to put our light and explore? And people seem to really like that idea of dealing with and contemplating creation and how does that all work together, and... I think there's a lot of places right now within our society that we're still trying to figure out what is all going on, what is that exploring, I think is a big key word there, kind of what science is naturally doing. But I think even culturally within how we talk about race or gender or some of these different issues along those lines and how we perceive them is something that we're, there's a lot of work still to be done. And I think it's an interesting avenue to explore as we contemplate these difficult things to work with. So I guess it's time to dig into this week's gospel. The gospel text is out of Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. And this is where there's some people around Jesus who are talking about how the Galileans were making a sacrifice and Pilate had intervened and, in their opinion, wrecked the sacrifice. And Jesus kind of goes off on this interesting rant, talking about how all these different things have fallen and the 18 were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell and were they worse offenders than others living in Jerusalem? And he goes into the parable of the fig tree where a man comes that we can assume is the landowner. And after he's been coming to this tree for three years and he's never seen fruit. And so then he asks the gardener to cut it down. And the gardener says, give it one more year. Let me dig around it. Let me put some manure on it. And if it bears fruit next year, it's good. If not, we'll cut it down. We never get the conclusion to this parable, which I think is an interesting 
metaphor just in and of itself and how things are continuing to grow and continuing to change and how we are continuing to work on and strive through this. And we'll get into that a little bit more here in a few minutes. The first reading this week is out of Isaiah chapter 55 verses 1 through 9. And again, I would kind of point out the first verse. I feel like this and the psalm, the first verse, really tie together really well. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the water, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. And this idea that the Lord has made a covenant with us that he will provide, and it's a different type of providing than what just money can buy. It's this providing of life that as long as we are seeking the Lord, that he will continue to work with us and do the best that we can working together toward where he is calling us to go, but he'll make sure that he is providing for us. The psalm this week is Psalm 63, verses 1 through 8. And like I stated, the first verse, I think, is such a beautiful, ties in so wonderfully. Oh God, you are my God, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, verses 1 and 2. And Ralph Jacobson actually brought up an interesting point in the podcast where he talks about his last stint with cancer and how it was the longest night of his life going through this feeling of not being able to quench his thirst, wanting so badly to drink but not being able to, and how hard that is. And it's this kind of psalm talking about how much we are longing for this, longing for this connection between God and us, and that we're looking for that. The second reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 13. And again, this is a difficult reading from Paul, bringing out some really interesting arguments. And again, if you're preaching this, one of the things they brought up in the podcast of Sermon Brainwaves that I would echo. If you're going to preach this, really be careful about the middle part of this, where he's talking about striking down people and there's death involved in here and talking about sexual immorality and how they're going to be destroyed. But I think the key part of this for me is, yes, there's all of this where we are being destroyed. But I'll pick it up in verse 12. If you think you are standing, watch out that you do not fall. No test has overtaken you that is not common to everyone. God is faithful and he will not let you be tested beyond your own strength. But with the testing, he will also provide a way out so that you may be able to endure it. And again, I'm going to reference Sermon Brainwaves podcast on this. Part of what they're talking about with this is not personal strength to be able to endure through all tests. It's a strength within a community that God is not going to be this God who puts something on a community that the community cannot endure. 
which again kind of brings back to this community aspect that I think is so important that we think about and contemplate and especially as we think about the topic of how this ties to science this week I think it works really well. So one of the things that kind of comes out of this this longing is repentance and I actually pulled up just a Google search here, and the definition that I get here from dictionary.com is the action of repenting, sincere regret or remorse. Sincere regret or remorse. And it's this process that when we go through it, it helps us actually connect with God and get us closer to God, I feel, but also help us move forward as a people, as a person, that you're able to move forward because of that. So when we're thinking about like fruit trees and this gardener almost begging the farmer to give the tree one more year, let it have a chance. Let it see the airs of its ways, if there's a way of saying that. Looking for the potential and not just being wrapped up in what it isn't doing, but also look at what it is still doing. As I was thinking about this text and contemplating how does this all work, and I went multiple different places, the reminder that came to me is out of a book called The Secret Life of Lobsters, and I would highly recommend it. I'll attach the Amazon link below And it's kind of an interesting documentary style book, if you want to put it that way. We're talking about in Maine specifically how the U.S. federal government started to decide that they wanted to save the lobster population. And to do that, they had to put in federal regulations. And the fishermen, or lobstermen in this case, kind of put up a fuss and kind of said, we are doing some self-regulating. And then science kind of got to come in between and kind of show, spoiler alert for the book, that the lobstermen were correct. And it's one specific thing that they were really worried about was the size of the lobster. And how the rule is drawn up is that lobsters have to be a minimum of three inches long in the abdomen, but they can't be longer than five and one-fourth inches long in the abdomen. So there's kind of a small range there. One, it's just too small and give it more time to grow. And two, if it gets over this certain size, what they have found through science being able to go in and studying their behavior and what all is going on, that a female lobster who is between five and six pounds produces an average of 100,000 eggs per set, up 20 times more than a one-pound lobster. And I'll attach some links down below, and I actually found a YouTube video kind of talking about and discussing this. And again, I'll attach that down below. And so in this case, the lobsterman won, but it was also the understanding of lobsters and going through the process of what was actually going on within the industry. And that in this time, in this space, they had created an industry that was going to survive, what was going to last, and that we weren't having to repent 
by taking these big lobsters that there was already a system in place to understand that, yes, these are big lobsters. Yes, they're old. They evaded our traps. But this provides so that the population can be sustainable and that for generations to come, they'll be able to enjoy the possibility of one, eating lobster, and two, having people have the profession of fishing lobster and that it's going to be able to be a marketable industry. And I think about it that way that it's this process of lamenting, like bringing up last week, but also repentance, that we don't then have to repent for the destruction of what we would be doing. Yes, there's probably a little lamenting to tie into last week of that you caught this large lobster and we have to throw it back. But it's understanding so that it prevents us from having a deeper repentance when they're suddenly gone. And I wonder and contemplate as we are in this Lenten season, is that where we're at as just society and as culture and within our environment, like I've talked about the last couple weeks, thinking about and contemplating, are we beyond the point of no return? Are we at the point where our repentance really should be just wholeheartedly that we, we mismanaged the land? We mismanaged and did not accomplish our goal? Or are we at a point where we can understand the errors of our ways and make substantial changes to be able to preserve this place so that we have more success stories like lobsters? This repentance of growing and getting to a point where we won't have to worry as much about that. But that means giving it time and that means seeing value in it and not just chopping it down. I know last year around this time I talked about whooping cranes. And again, I'll attach some stuff down below. But whooping cranes where their population was below 50 birds left. And it's far from a full out recovery. But they've had substantial growth to the point where they're still highly endangered species. But it's also where there are places you can go and have a decent chance of still seeing them and that they're building momentum so that this is going to be able to be preserved for future generations. How often we think about the here and now, and I am also would argue that Jesus in this text is saying that we have to think longer because he's thought that with us. That there's so many times that God probably looks down at us and says, oh my goodness, what is going on with this person? Don't they get it? But it's through that repenting process that our fruit is able to be obtained. That then it's the process of us through constant repentance, understanding that we aren't more holier than thou. And that it gives us the possibility for fruit to grow, for us to realize that there might be other things affecting the growth to be able to have it grow. One of the things I actually looked at with this text was looking at fig trees and how fig trees grow and how much they need wasps to be able to actually have their fruit and to pollinate their seeds and their flowers, which are actually inside the fruit of the fig. And 
how much they need that and constantly how many variations there are and all this stuff. But it's this process of when it bears fruit in order for it to be able to continue to bring offspring and continue to to grow and be able to build upon the genetics that it has, it depends on a wasp to come in and pollinate and sacrifice its own life for the fruit to possibly grow. It gets a little weird, and I'll attach videos down below, but it's kind of this weird, interesting metaphor that we need someone else. In order for the figs to grow, that they need these wasps, and in order for us to grow our own fruit, we need repentance, and we need the love of Christ to accept us where we are, and to understand that there's still growth potential, and that to have mercy on us, and realize for us that that mercy is given freely, and that we continue to go and try to do the work that God has called us to do. It's an interesting week when you really are thinking about the repentance, and as we're getting closer to the cross, how important that repentance is, and that it's a consistent process. In order for us to grow, in order for us to realize what's going on around us, so that we don't have as much repentance to repent, so that lobsters are still around, so that we can understand how important thirsting for water is, just like the soul thirsts for God, how important that is. So the Twitter question of the week, I would say, is where in your life or where in the world are you seeing a need for consistent repentance? I would say in my response to that, consistent repentance is needed in understanding people. What I mean by that is different cultures, different races, and even different religions that are different than what you and I have. And understanding that there are ways to still love them and still show the message. There is ways to still love them and look beyond the differences be able to build relationships that are still very important so that we can do the greater good of what God has called us still to do. And I think that is a world that I am excited the possibility of someday seeing. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.